Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in Wednesday, every single week. For inspiration, how you can live free. Nubia and Francis Chronicles Abroad. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. I'm Francis. And I'm Nubia. And of course, we have another fabulous show. You know? Yes. Yes. Okay. We are sitting here with Nishat Tabasum. Did she get it right? Hi, everyone. Probably. Did not. she get it right? Probably not. Did she get it right? Did she yeah, get it right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit more hit on the first S, like Tabasum. Ah, tabasum. There you go. <laughs> yes, Francis. You ah, okay. Hit that F. Nubia, I need you to say it three times. If you want to Americanize it, you can say tabasum. That's the more Americanized version. Okay. <laughs> I'm all about the American version, y'all. I can't. I don't have that rolling of the tongue thing, right? So when when I say names that have like that, you know, that umph to it, I just I just jack it all up. So I leave it for to Francis, who speaks French Creole. So you know, she has the advantage and all. That's all I'm saying. Is that right? <laughs> Nisha, how are yes. you? Doing well. Pretty well. Can't Thanks for being on our show. No problem. Thanks for having me. We're very excited to talk to you about all your experiences. You know, Sandra had mentioned that you have such a colorful traveling experience and you're doing some <laughs> awesome stuff. So we can't wait to dive right into it. Yes. yes. So you're currently in Morocco. Yeah. Yep. Currently in Morocco. Nice. So you literally started backpacking solo, correct? Yep. I started backpacking in 2014. Okay. Give us a little bit about how that began. Yeah. Actually, no, it was in 2014. I think it was 2013. So I was in Morocco for a study abroad for during the winter of 2013. And I had never taken a solo trip. I've traveled to Europe, but it was more so um, organized trips through my school, mm -hmm. my high school. And after I finished my study abroad, I decided to go to Paris for a couple of days. And that's literally my first solo trip abroad. I get there at 1 a.m. The ATM doesn't work, so I can't get any of my American dollars. Uh-oh. <laughs> Finally, somehow it works out. I get to the, my hostel at 1 a.m. in the morning and find out there was a robbery. First time in a hostel. And that's the, that's the first thing they tell me, that there was a robbery. And I mean, I still check in and make sure all my stuff is locked and I get in, I like sneak into the room, everyone is sleeping. Uh, it's fine. I wake up the next morning, I start like seeing Paris and visiting the Lou and the Eiffel Tower. One of the Eiffel Tower by myself, that felt great actually, very empowering, <laughs> seeing all the couples there. But then I also get lost as well. It, everything is super new to me. It wasn't until like, I was like really frustrated. I remember this old man coming up to me he saw that I was visibly frustrated. He was like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm trying to get back to my house. So I don't know how the subway works. And then he pretty much just pointed it out on the map for me. So that was like my first solo trip abroad. It wasn't that bad because I stayed with a friend of a friend who was studying there as well. 
So mm-hmm. I think that was a good place to start. I think Paris is a great place to study, uh, go solo traveling for the first time. Really? Uh, I yeah. enjoyed Paris. I think Paris was okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's not something I run back to, but the Louvre is amazing. I yeah, love it. It's like yeah. my favorite museum in the world. There's some beautiful old cathedrals and structures in Paris, but I'm a foodie and mm. the food necessarily wasn't the best unless you got that Paris money and you get like those five course, six course dinners and stuff. Stuff, you know, it was kind of intimidating going down to the supermarket and seeing everyone dressed in the nines. I'll tell you that much. What do you see in New York? <laughs> and they think there's no personal space in Asia. Go to Paris. There ain't no damn personal space anywhere, you know. And I'm not a smoker, so everybody smokes. I got like hella sick. Yeah, sounds like Japan. It was cold as well. I mean, the first day was like just like miserable, but. I think uh, for like the first time, it was a good place. And you can also like walk the streets and kind of get lost. And I was encouraged to get lost in Paris. Oh, how, how romantic. Uh, side streets are amazing. Like St. Germain, like side streets. I mean, mm-hmm. I had literally, I had crepes and uh, gelato every day. Once you find something that you really, really enjoy in Paris, you hit that spot on a daily. <laughs> I think given it was my first time, though, and I was a little out of my comfort zone, I did go to McDonald's once. (laughs) In Paris? I know, I know. know. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, I was just like, all right, I'm going to stick to something that I know. And I know this store, even though I don't go to it frequently in the U.S., I'm going to go to it now because it feels comforting. Okay. I do feel like the McDonald's abroad are a lot better than the McDonald's at home. (laughs) I've never had it, but it's different. (laughs) Agree. Agreed. I mean, literally, the one in Thailand sells, like, the bomb fried chicken. They Like, they come in there. It's almost like if there was, like, a KFC-type-style McDonald's, and they have buckets or trays of fried chicken, you're like, wow, and McDonald's, but, you know. And it's real fried chicken. It's dope. That sounds good. I haven't had real fried chicken in a while. And I think it was in Spain I had McDonald's, and you know how they have the drink menu to go with your, like, value meal? I was able to get a beer. What? So it was oh, like, wow. yeah, right? It's Coke, Sprite, beer. I was like, is the beer part? They was like, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get one of those. <laughs> That's actually pretty cool. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get a beer. Yeah, here yeah. in McDonald's, they have everything halal, actually. Mm. Really? Yeah, nice. yeah, a lot of the meats are halal, which is cool. That, that is, is cool. cool. So let's talk about what you're currently doing, which you're in Peace Corps. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, I'm in Peace Corps. I am in my second year. I have about eight months to go before I close out my service. So I'm really excited, but also a little nervous about going back home. How did you get started in the Peace Corps? Yeah, so I studied international development uh, during undergrad. I went to City College in Harlem in New York. And I've I've always been interested in traveling, uh, but I've also been interested in public service, finding out how to make people's lives better. So I guess I studied the theory end of it in college, but I didn't have any practical experience. So Peace Corps is something I've always considered doing. I even took a solo backpacking trip to Southeast Asia to figure out if that's what I wanted to do. And I was on the fence about it after I came back home, mainly so I didn't think, I I wasn't sure if Peace Corps was sustainable in the work that they're doing, and I was more so interested in sustainable development. And so then I graduated, went backpacking, came back, got a job full time, Resigned in three months, wow. <laughs> along with five other people. Wow. wow. I will not, yeah, yeah. I will not mention the name of this organization for obvious reasons, but the person that we were working for, he just was not a good person to work for. 
And so I think the day that I resigned was the day that I decided that I was going to apply for Peace Corps. And I went to the Peace Corps office in Manhattan the next week, that, like, talked to a recruiter, found out what the steps were. And then that summer I had applied for Peace Corps. I got my acceptance letter to Ecuador hmm. in the, in, I think in the fall of fall of 20, 2015, I believe. Mm-hmm. It was fall of 2015 I got my acceptance letter. It's a long process. And I was supposed to leave for Ecuador in May of 2016. In December of 2015, I had just gotten into a new relationship as well. So, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh-oh. Yeah. Five weeks before I think I was supposed to depart for Ecuador, I got an email saying that because of the earthquake that had happened a while back, do you all recall? They closed down the centers for Peace oh, Corps. and wow. they canceled. Yes, because some of the centers were damaged and they had to close it down to repair it. And our class got canceled. Wow. Five okay. weeks before. Yeah, I mean, that's Peace Corps for you. You never really know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And so then I got a phone call about other options for me to relocate to. And so Morocco was one of them decided to choose Morocco because of my experience in Morocco studying abroad and they had mm-hmm. the field that I was interested in which is youth development okay and so so then I like departed from Morocco September of 2016 and here I am wow so to give our listeners a little bit about Peace Corps Peace Corps is a volunteer program correct mm-hmm. yes. so it's not necessarily a paid job however you do get a stipend for yes. being a volunteer is that correct yes Okay, so you can volunteer for Peace Corps. You have to be an American or a U.S. citizen. You must be 18 years or older in order to volunteer. And mm-hmm. they do pay for your accommodations, correct? Your accommodations, medical insurance. What else? What are some of the benefits of being in Peace Corps? So some of the benefits is obviously they do pay for your living accommodations. So you get about like, at least in Morocco, we get close to about $300 a month. Covers which is supposed to essentially cover our housing, our food at the level of the community that we're living in. Uh, most of us don't really live in big cities. We live in small rural towns. Okay. And that's enough. I mean, um, when I go to Souk twice a week, literally, I think most of my vegetables, I can get like a week's worth of vegetables under five bucks wow. to give you an mm-hmm. idea like how far the money can go. Uh, what else do they cover? So yeah, medical is all taken care of. I don't have to have like, if there's something wrong, they have some great medical officers responding to our needs. I had I had sprained mm-hmm. my ankle last year and I got like physical therapy here for like about two weeks. So you go through the training, you go through your service. And then when you come home, there is, they give you, a, I think about a stipend of seven or $8,000 to kind of like a readjustment allowance. Nice. And you can also, okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's something to hold you over. And you also get to apply for the Coverdell Fellows. So the Coverdell Fellows is for graduate school. There's a lot of grad programs that accept the Coverdell Fellowship. And if you get accepted, they'll either cover like a portion of it, half of it, or sometimes in some cases, all of it. And the great thing about Peace Corps is this is actually traveling with a passion. I mean, literally, you are immersed in another culture. I met my first individual that was in Peace Corps here in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and she's an amazing individual. And I I know you guys go through an intensive program to learn the local language, correct? So Mm -hmm. you're learning so much. Not only are you volunteering your time, you're learning another language, you're learning about agriculture, the environment, education, youth development, economic development. Like there's so many portions. I was just, we were talking, I was talking to Francis not too long ago about this. I said, you know, 
2018 is really the year I want to travel more with purpose. So for somebody who really wants to travel but wants to really be involved in something, mm-hmm. Peace Corp is a great option. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. I think people join for a whole host of different reasons. Again, my experience, my reasoning was that I wanted to get more experience in international development to figure out if this is the route that I wanted to go to go into, you know? and get Mm -hmm. um, work experience abroad. But yeah, I think it's a great opportunity. Um, They say in Peace Corps, this will be the hardest job you love. And it's so true in so many different ways. Like there are so many times I just wanted to quit and go home. But when you stick through it and when you get past the hurdle of going through training and your first three months settling in, it gets a lot better. It does. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that because it's not for the faint of hearts. This isn't a place you're gonna go and live in in like a five-star resort or anything. You're yeah. really uh, living like a local, living mm-hmm. in a rural town, often not having access to certain amenities, uh, Wi-Fi, you know, you know, all of that. So can you just tell us how your transition uh, was in the, the rural town that you're living in? You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips resources and hacks for the curious traveler in you so whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change we have something for everyone yeah i can um so i really love my town Uh, if i were to be if i were to get asked where i would want to be placed i would choose my town which is um it's akka it's a little desert town within the Sahara, um, super south. I'm the furthest volunteer out of all of the volunteers in Morocco. And most people are afraid of my region, which is Tata, because of how hot it gets. It gets to about 120 degrees over the summer and um, how whoa. far it is. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Don't just gloss over that, girl. I thought Japan was hot. Don't do, don't you dare, don't do that. 120 degrees? Yes. It does nah. get to 120 oh, degrees. Desert. Yeah, and so I was always afraid of the heat. I like, and you know, I'm a city girl, so I'm like, all right, I would like for to live in like a moderately small, like to like big town. Because they ask you for what your preferences are. I tell them like, I also need Wi-Fi because I have a boyfriend and I would like to make sure that I stay in touch with him throughout my service. And it's kind of hard okay. to do that without Wi-Fi. So I think I was a teeny bit demanding you know, what I wanted my accommodations to be. Luckily, Morocco has a lot of good infrastructure and they're pretty developed compared to some of the other nations on the continent. So there are actually a lot of things we have. I think we have access to that makes our living situation a little bit more comfortable. Uh, so in my town, it's about 7,000 people. There's one, there's one bank, one post office right by my house, which is great. There are buses that goes in and out to like the major cities. The things that are a little bit uh, hard to get adjusted to. So in the U.S., you have access to groceries and supermarkets whenever you want. Here, you can only get your vegetables two, twice a week, on Thursdays and on oh, Sundays. Oh, wow. Between 8 a.m. Oh, wow. to 12 p.m. Oh, wow, so, wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what was that, wow? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That was something to get adjusted to. When I first came into Peace Corps, I, like, did not know how to cook. I was not a pet person. Okay? The first day I moved into my apartment, I had to Google how to make scrambled eggs <laughs> with vegetables. Because <laughs> uh, in New York, you're just, like, so used to eating out. There's so much food available. I think the lack of food was, like, a little hard for me. But I think it was actually a blessing in disguise. I started to learn how to cook, and I love cooking now. I can make quite a number of meals and desserts. And so I think I feed myself 
really well, even though I'm like living super far and from everything. It's a lot. Can you tell me. our listeners what you guys told me when I got on the call? <laughs> <laughs> about the bathroom situation. Oh, oh so everyone knows that Nubia just doesn't like squatty potties. So Nisha, Nabby. tell us about your squatty potty. So the way the squatty potty works, it's in the bathroom with like your shower head, or if you have like if you don't have a shower head, you might have a bucket. Luckily, I do have a shower head. It's actually fine. I don't have any issues with it. A lot of people complained and having a hard time getting used to it. One person I know dropped her mouth guard into the toilet. <sighs> I've dropped my soap in there a couple times. Stayed in there, obviously. But it's not bad. You get used to it. Like, it's actually healthier for you. It is healthier. But... Yeah, we, we hear about the health benefits and that it is better for you. But, you know, that that's the one thing that I have not gotten accustomed to overseas is squat pots. So in order to have one in the home, I would just... That would work for She probably Mm-mm. It's fine. I mean, that's the, that's the only thing I have to deal with. Like, I live on a in the third floor of my apartment. I have my door on the first floor. Everything else is mine. I have my own personal roof, which is great for my dog. I have like a decent sized apartment. I pay eighty five dollars a month, wow. and this well, is covered. Well, by- yeah. Yeah. Well. So I think comparatively, if all I have to deal with is like a, a squatty potty, it's not that big of a deal. And you I get you get adjusted. It. You get adjusted. I can dig it. I can dig it. I can only speak for Nubia. <laughs> so you you got so your dog cooked. You you got your dog girl cooks. or boy? No, that doesn't that didn't sound right. The her dog's name is Cook. No, no, no. My dog's oh. name is Misty. Misty. Ah, okay. okay. I learned how to cook, and I also got a dog. Gotcha. All right. As long as you're not Misty. cooking the dog. That's all that. That's all that we matter. Okay. Okay. No, so, no. so, yeah, so how did you peace court? Uh, can I can can I just ask real quick? I mean, I was in the process beforehand because I was curious about Misty. Yeah. Are you sure? Go ahead, Nubia. You just asked about a dog named Cook, and a dog's name was Misty, not Cook. I messed that up. (laughs) (laughs) So, quick question. Obviously, you love Peace Corps enough because you are a returned Peace Corps volunteer. So, this is your second year, correct? No, no, no. I will be a returned Peace Corps volunteer at the end of my service. I'm in my second year as a Peace Corps volunteer. It's 27 months of service. Oh, it's 27 months of service. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's why it's something to really think about if you're doing, because it's, it is a long commitment. Especially if you're in a long-distance relationship. Damn. I always thought it was 12 months. It's 27 months. No, girl. For, for one cycle. I think for older professionals, well, there's older professionals. There's another portion of the Peace Corps, and I can't recall what it's called right now for older professionals who have a certain set of skills they can apply to do a one-year Peace Corps uh, position you know wherever they have that option yeah it's called Peace Corps response yeah Mm, okay well can you give us a little bit about the Peace Corps response just for people who might be listening and of course they can go to peacecorps.gov and look up this information but just uh, I never even heard of this so yeah, I mean, um, I don't know too much about it. I think I looked into it once, but Peace Corps response are shorter term stints for those who do have technical skills to go into areas where they need volunteers to work on different things, whether it's agriculture, education, um, youth development. 
um i think a lot i saw a lot of the positions available in the caribbean mm -hmm. and you basically just go in um i think you also get like a stipend they during your stint and they take care of everything for you and so it's just like more compact a lot more short term yeah i was looking into it yeah i just pulled it up yeah i was looking into it at one point okay. but I did get a little nervous about living conditions and, you know, <laughs> like I'm not high maintenance. However, I got a little nervous. I don't know about, about not being high maintenance, y'all. She be hit. <laughs> You're the one that's high maintenance. <laughs> so, okay, just to kind of give you a little bit, because I'm looking on the website real quick. So Peace Corps response volunteers, uh, specialized high impact short-term assignments. They uh, serve between three to 12 months and they are experienced professionals and or returned volunteers. They're perfect for season, seasoned experts ready to use their skills to help communities abroad. So if that sounds like you, and you're looking for something different in your life, check it out. But back to Nisha and your experience over in Morocco. So mm -hmm. what's life like in Morocco? What's life like in Morocco? Man, it's I've gotten used to it. And that's such a loaded question for every Peace Corps volunteer because it depends on a lot on your disposition, a lot on your site, the kind of work that you do. They say in Peace Corps, you really can't compare your service to someone else's because of how mm -hmm. different your service looks from other people based on all of those factors that are not in your control. But for me right now, what life looks like is I have a packed schedule. I have English classes every week. I have art classes every week. I work with three different preschool classes. I help run along with another volunteer girls empowerment program called Project SOAR. What else do I do? On the weekends, I work with this one youth association in the nearby village. That's who I was with. And we started this new program called CLIMB, which means creating leaders in the outdoors and beyond. And it's essentially a program to expose them to traveling, especially in nature. So we do a lot of hiking trips. Uh, we do a lot of weekly classes on leadership, health, fitness, like uh, survival skills. And today they were actually, um, they organized a community service event, which is painting and beautifying the association where they work out of. What else do I do with them? We're going to start off, start a new technology program for them. I was able to get 10 computers delivered to them. And so we're going to start nice. that program, hopefully in the fall, like just set them up with it. They'll be running with the program, but just setting them up for what to do. So you're really busy. <laughs> yep. No days off. <laughs> that sounds like it. So uh, what does your family think about you being in the Peace Corps and, you know, traveling and being gone so for so long? Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like I've always rebelled. I'm like the, I feel like I'm the black sheep in my family. I've always definitely went out of my comfort zones and done things that they weren't quite used to. So when I started traveling alone, they were like worried, but they saw that I was fine I mean, I seem to I seem to have excelled in my studies. I think I'm doing okay. So I think they trust me enough to like, uh, just I, I, they don't understand too much. They're like, well, we came from we immigrated from developing country to come to the U.S. and you're gonna go work in another developing country. Like they just don't get that part <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> but um, I think they do like the fact that it's a reputable program and. Um, uh, that I'm doing the work that I'm interested in. And they're like, as long as you come back and, you know, you find yourself a good job that pays you well and makes you happy, they're, they're, they're supportive. I think I got lucky with my parents. That's awesome. So you are from New York City? I was born in Bangladesh. I immigrated to New York when I was seven, I think. Okay. So, but you were raised primarily in New York City. 
So what is it like from New York City to the rural town in Morocco? It, was you always, I, I, I see that you've always been interested in service, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, New York City is its own concrete jungle. So, you know, the brunch culture, the art culture and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. What was the ultimate shock when you got to Morocco? The ultimate shock. I think the first three months were really hard when you go through training. I wanted to come home. You, you go through language training eight hours a day for six days a week. You're constantly with the same people all the time. You're living with a host family and you're on their schedule. You don't know how to communicate. So I think the hardest thing was just like being immersed in it in the beginning. It, mm. it, it takes a lot out of you and not everyone um, can make it through training period. And I know a lot of people early terminated and for different reasons. Everyone's threshold is different for what you can and can't handle. You can't really judge anyone for why they leave. And so that was the hardest part. But I think uh, what's made it easier for me is my town. It really is a lovely town. It's very it's small. You can go from one end to the other in 15 minutes. But I think Whoa, that, small. that is really small. <laughs> I see you. All right. <laughs> I'll be there but, in like 10 minutes. <laughs> so my town is surrounded by nearby villages. So to bike out to the village, it'll take me about 20 minutes if I work. So I do work in one of the villages. So it's, it's a little bit further out. In my town, you don't really see a lot of harassment, which is nice because in some of the bigger cities in Morocco, there is a lot of harassment issues. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's very conservative. I, I mean, given that I am culturally Muslim and my family's Muslim, I know what it's like to grow up in a conservative culture. And so that wasn't really much of a shock for me. Yeah, and I have friends, I have a dog, I, it's, it's fine. I feel like I'm excited to like close out the rest of my service and finish this year strong. Nice, well, I'm glad you stuck with it. Thanks, yeah, me too. Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's who you become at the, you know, at the end of uh, such an impactful journey. And that's something that's priceless. Yeah, you definitely become a much more resilient, a lot more flexible. You also, I think, just learn how to adapt to different situations. And you become a lot more humble, actually. The humility is really beautiful that you see within a lot of the volunteers. I love that. So, Nisha, what's going to be next for you after the Peace Corps once it's all said and done? Do you know? So I'm currently looking into graduate schools. I'm interested in international development, but... I know there's not a lot of money right now, especially with how funding is working out in the White House, yeah. given right. what's going on. <laughs> but I've all, I also like management, so I'm considering maybe a degree in MPA or in international development, uh, so just looking into my options. I don't think I want to go right away. I do want to come back home, work a little bit more, and save up mm-hmm. because grad school is a beast. Yeah financially and emotionally (laughs) physically (laughs) Uh, but um that's what i'm thinking of Uh, me and my partner we also talked about maybe going to chile and living there for a year to teach um because i do still want to go to a spanish-speaking country learn the language and be immersed in it that's why i chose ecuador in the first place never worked out plan yeah we'll see oh go to to chile and enjoy that food is amazing the art is amazing the landscape is amazing yeah so that'll be so i mean i'm I'm gonna play it by ear i think there's a lot of things to consider it'll be nice to also spend time with my family i've been away for a while so So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. 
So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. Uh, So what do you think it's going to be like for you when you come back to the States? Because we always talk about reverse culture shock. And they say that peace transitioning back as a return Peace Corps volunteer is hard. Um, and they also offer, like, I think two or three therapy sessions for or PCVs. Um, mm-hmm. I think for me particularly, I think it will be hard. Um, as excited as I am to go back to my family, to go back to, you know, seeing my partner on a frequent basis. Morocco is where I feel like I really grew up the most. It was the first time I had my own apartment. I learned how to cook. I realized I was a dog person. And I think my dog has a lot to do with why I stayed in service. She's just wonderful. And not having to worry so much financially. So there's a lot of stress-free moments for me right now. And I think going back to the U.S., I'll have to deal with uh, like finding a place to live, finding a job, making ends meet, figuring out my next steps. It's like nice for Peace Corps to have like that two-year block where you can just like focus on your service and not focus on anything else, but know that your service is gonna end, so there's that comfort. And, but going back to the U.S., I, I just feel like I'll, I'll feel not so rooted for a while. And plus, I think there will be so many options that I can choose from. That's going to be overwhelming. Because I've gotten used to, like, the less, less is more. Yeah, same here. Yeah. So how do you deal with a long-term relationship? I mean, you've been gone for a little over two years. Mm-hmm. And you and your partner were together throughout that whole stint mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so how yeah. does that work so yeah i got so we were best friends or not best friends we we're like close friends for about five years prior to us getting together we took a trip to puerto rico and uh, as friends and came back not so much as friends but more <laughs> a couple mm-hmm. months before i was supposed to leave for service we decided to give it a shot because we trusted each other and it's been great actually long distance is really not that hard i think we have a solid foundation like we trust each other there's a lot of communication on a weekly basis we know where we're headed for the future and i talk to him often we talk through our problems it's actually not that bad because i get to focus on my own self-development and he gets to focus on his in new york so it's like nice to grow together but separately and then come back together at the end of it because we know it'll end and it's really great because he gets to come here we get to travel together last summer we went to europe went to a bunch of different countries you know i'll be seeing him again in two months we'll be traveling around in eastern europe and he was here in december he helped me with some projects he was here during my most busiest time actually but it was great so that opportunity to see each other reconnect and travel together is also really nice and i think it adds to just like yeah the positive positiveness of appreciate things a little bit more i'm sure what advice do you have for folks who are interested in in joining the peace corps talk to talk to people who have done peace corps also talk to people that have left peace corps for their own reasons i think it's good to get both sides think about what you want peace corps for you'll see a lot of people join peace corps as an excuse to travel around and while you can do that, because you do get flexibility in how much vacation days you, like you can have about, I think you get 24 vacation days a year, which is really good compared to what you get in the U.S. And you can take it whenever you want. And so a lot of people do that. And Morocco is so like, conveniently situated like, close to Europe. So a lot of people do go to Europe and it's super cheap to go there. But just know that Peace Corps isn't an extended study abroad. 
you do have to do work. You do have to spend time within your community. You do have to work at learning the language. And no, it'll be hard, but you will come out of it stronger and I think better for it. That's what's yeah. up. So yeah. Francis likes to do these things called fun questions. Uh-huh. I like how she always puts it on me. I thought I th we agreed on Well, no, you started it. This was, this this was a two-way like conversation. giving you acknowledgement to say, Francis, yeah. Are you giving me props? Cause, no, because didn't it sound a little uh, contrite? <laughs> you know, Francis. Uh... <laughs> especially, especially she loves to ask about food because food is one of her favorite things, right? <laughs> so what's your favorite Moroccan dish? My Favorite Moroccan dish. Okay, there's a bunch. There's this one thing called the briwat, and it could be savory or sweet. It's like a samosa, mm -hmm. like a, a Southeast Asian version of a mm -hmm. samosa. It's triangular, and they can put like sweets in it or any kind of like meat, and it tastes really good. Another thing that I like is um, this thing called rafisa, and rafisa is basically this like one big dish of. Have you ever had naan? Non bread. Have we ever had non? Okay. On, what kind of question is that? So, yeah, it. so um, they have it. another version of non called parata. Have you heard of parata? Is that the sweet non with the like no, the. No, no, no. It's just no. like, it's just like square. Why. Yeah, it's just. Uh, they have it in like my country and they have it in India as well. But they, they make this thing called misamin, which is kind of like a, like a, a mix between like non and parata. And they tear out the pieces of the bread, they put it all over like a chicken dish with like the sauce and they put chickpeas on it and you just like dip it together and you just eat it and it tastes really good and they also have lentils in it too so that's a, a favorite. favorite dish of mine rafisa sounds yeah. good lentils and, and chickpeas i love delicious. lentils and chickpeas so that by itself and then morocco is known for their spices right so when people go to morocco oh. you see these mounds of beautiful colorful spices and everything okay now i'm starting to get hungry y'all <laughs> trying to get hungry All yeah right, they do have spices but they actually cannot eat spicy a lot of them and obviously i don't want to paint a single story about morocco but a lot of my friends they cannot eat spicy so whenever i'm making food i have to for them i have to make sure i don't add a lot of spice to it so that, that's a little hard for really? me because i like spicy food yeah <laughs> well that's like the opposite of thailand girl. i do too you gotta tell them like no spicy please because any bit of spicy in thailand is overly spicy yeah. Oh, Bitnoy, go ahead, girl. What you got? You know, I, she keeps forgetting. I used to live in Thailand, so she forgets sometimes. I do. Lived in Thailand. You be like Bitnoy, Bitnoy. <laughs> oh, there's another country. food that's really good. This one's actually my face favorite. It's called couscous tefea, mm, like and couscous. it's couscous with caramelized onions, raisins, uh, any kind of meat of your choice, and it is just like so so good. Yeah. Really oh, and yeah. they have um, and they have couscous Friday. So every Friday, families will sit together and eat couscous during lunch. That's the thing. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I all love the fact Morocco. that in other countries, you all throughout Morocco. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. Couscous Friday is a tradition. But you know, that's that's another thing, and I'm glad you brought that up. Is you know, community when you're in other countries, especially in your, your immersed in a local environment, there's so much more community because I'm sure you don't get that in New York City. No, even from the police, actually. I have to tell the police officers in my town every time I leave town and when I come back and they'll call me like 10 million times to find out where I am. 
it's a lot different from the kind of uh, the sentiment that you have around police officers in the U.S. So all the police officers know me by name. If I like disappear a couple for a couple of days, if I travel, I'll have like people asking me, "Oh, where did you disappear to, Fingobarti?" That's how they say it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, I'm just like I'm, I'm here, I'm back." But that must feel good though to know that people are looking out for you. You understand what I'm saying, even yeah. as a foreigner. No, it, they really do. I feel more content and safe here in Morocco than I think I did in New York. I also work a couple days out of the week in the village and nearby villages are literally a 20 minute bike ride. But at the end of my class, I'll always have somebody accompanying me home uh, on his motorbike and I'll be on my little bike and coming back. So they make sure that I can come back sleepy. And it's like not that late. It's like 8 30, 9 o'clock. But yeah, it's, the community is nice. Yeah. I and think then you that's eat awesome. as well. Yeah, you eat communally. Everyone eats from one plate. They just sit around the table and you eat together. And that's really nice too. I like that. That is awesome. Because, you know, you find people who get so afraid about the move abroad because they're like, is it safe? And you're like, uh, is it going to school, work, the <laughs> post office, the movies in the church. States? I mean, church, it don't matter wherever right now the states is like under attack and i'm not that's not to say that things don't happen overseas because they do but initially a lot of the places that i've been i feel more safe than i do back home in the states Mm -hmm. yeah ditto i agree yeah but nisha listen this has been fun thank you so much for giving us some insight into your life with peace corps into your personal life and how having a long distance relationship does and can work if you put the effort into it and just being willing to be on chronicles abroad and letting us know what's going on with you so let's make sure we stay in touch we can do a where are you now and see how your transition has been and where you're landing in the next few years that would be awesome yeah thank you so much i think it's a really great thing was that y'all are doing it's really great to hear the differences that are on there on your show and i look forward to listening to a lot more we of the appreciate voices. appreciate the support. Thank you. Well, Nisha, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate you spending some time with us and good luck with the Peace Corps and the transition back home. Yeah, thank you. I look forward to following you all on social media as well. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.